0: Murdoch University, alumni after dark, powering your mind. Hello alumni and the Murdoch community. Um, I hope you're all well uh, and thank you for tuning into this episode. So last week I spoke to an alumnus about creativity in STEM. Christy Byrne is a MU Bachelor of Science graduate um, and an internationally published science communicator. uh, And she's working on the intersection of story, science, technology and creativity. Christie's books have been shortlisted for many awards, uh, including the WA Premier's Book Awards, the WA Young Readers Book Awards, and the Wilderness Society's Environment Award for Children's Literature. Um, and look, we spoke about the link between creativity and STEM and its importance in solving some of the world's biggest problems. Look, Christie's amazing experiences and stories are not to be missed let's take a listen. So thank you for joining me today, Christy. I really appreciate it.
1: That's awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) It's okay. Um, So we're obviously talking about today, creativity in STEM. Could
1: you, before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about your current role? So my current role is kind of um, a mishmash and a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different things. But basically for the last 20 years, I've been working under that broad umbrella of science communication, Mm -hmm. which means that anything that's cool or interesting or exciting about our world, I get to share that with people. So what I do mostly at the moment is working with children, so going into schools and working at um, science festivals and writing festivals to promote creativity and innovation and those kind of like STEM, science, tech, engineering, maths ideas about um, how we can solve problems and make tomorrow better
0: yeah sure that's amazing how cool what a really fun job
1: yeah it's really cool it's it's like um you know like people are always saying oh we don't know what the jobs of the future will be we're preparing you know for jobs that we don't even know will exist that's exactly that like I had no idea that you could do this for a job and it's just so much fun how
0: exciting and so so um is do you got do you have like a blog or anything or what kind of other communications do you
1: Okay, so so most of what I do is writing books now. I used to do okay. a lot more journalism and writing for newspapers and uh, I used to edit CSIROs, magazines for kids and that kind of thing. Um, but increasingly I've gone down the path of writing novels that have science embedded in them because I think that's how science works. You know, yeah. like at school I didn't really even understand what science was but you know that the thing of oh, science is all around you. Well, it really is. Like it really is. And sure. um, if I can embed those ideas of science and um, you know, like trying and failing and trying and failing, because mm-hmm. that's what the scientific method is. It's it's attempting something and saying, oh gosh, that didn't work out. Let's change something up a little bit and try again. And then and if that doesn't work, we'll try something different. And that's how stories work. Like the classic. Yeah you know, like the three little pigs, they, they try and build a house and it doesn't work out. So they try and build it a different way. So we're all scientists and, and just drawing people's attention to that, I think is important because kids think science is hard. Yeah, A lot of people think science is, um, you know, you've got to be smart to do science, but really you just have to be curious
0: to yeah. do science.
1: Um, and I guess at the end of the day, you know, even when kids are first born,
0: that's kind of that creativity and that exploration starts right
1: from there you know yeah absolutely yeah and that thing of trying something new it's really hard to try something new now because it's going to be captured on instagram and it's going to be all over Mm -hmm. facebook or you know whatever um and so it's really hard to fail because you're failing so publicly but when you think back to being a kid and learning to crawl that was a really public failure like every time you you fell on your face but that's how you learn. And I think normalizing that idea that um, failure is part of it. Like it's just part of the journey. Every author I know gets rejected by their publisher all the time. Right. So, but, but we, we just keep trying and write another book and every scientist, their experiments fail, but they learn from that and they keep trying and that's how stuff gets done. Mm. So, yeah, I think just normalizing that idea that you can try your best at something and, and it can still suck and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, so what does, um
0: for those that, for us that didn't know or don't know, um, what does STEM stand for?
1: So that's science, tech, engineering and maths. Okay. But increasingly, I'm kind of like moving into the STEAM area, which is science, tech, engineering, arts and maths,
0: because I <laughs> reckon, okay.
1: Um, I'll, well, arts can benefit from, that tech knowledge and that science knowledge and science can definitely benefit from arts because there's no point in having like super educated scientists who don't have empathy or like super, super able engineers who who can't um, communicate and don't have a conversation. So we, we need to have people who can do all those things or who at least can try and do all those things. And so the whole idea behind steam is, um, Let's let's integrate all of these things together and let's not put people on silos and say, OK, you're the science person and you're the arts person, because all of us have all of those things in us like art, arts is so creative and science is so creative because you have to think what happens if I do this? What, what if I try this? What if I try that? So creativity and innovation are something that arts and science need and that's why it's so cool to smoosh them together and see what happens you know like give everybody a seat at that table yeah for sure okay we have some problems on planet earth how are we going to solve them we're going to solve them together and we're going to solve them by trying a bunch of different stuff and seeing what works best so i used to work at cern which is the home of the large hadron collider uh, which is a huge like it's the biggest machine in the world and it's um it's like a racetrack for atoms it's buried under the mountains in switzerland and france super super cool particle accelerator uh, and they have an arts program where they have artists in residence who are inspired by what they see and inspired by the technology and the beauty of the science that's going on, and then they use that inspiration to express the science as art. You know? So th- that kind of thing of um, cross-fertilisation, Yeah, And that's happened for ages, right? Like if you look at Jules Verne's novels and the idea of going under the sea or going up in space, that was art and it became science. So we have to be able to dream and we have to be able to um, hope, you know, and and just think of new ways for how the future could be. And that requires art. That requires creativity. Mm, For sure. And when you talk
0: about art, is that just visual arts or are we talking about like storytelling or you know, um, performance, like what what is it or is it open to everything? I
1: think it's the whole thing, like even, you know, kids playing with Play-Doh or building with Lego or any of those kind of things of um, just expressing yourself however you want to do it. Um, yeah. that, that just helps. And also, like, I'm happier when I'm creating. I'm, sure. As a person, I'm a better person when I'm making something um, instead of just consuming all the time. So, yeah, yeah anything that gets you out there making something, I think, makes you uh, happier, more creative, more compassionate, more open to that idea of failure. Because, you know, when you're making something, it never turns out perfect, never turns out how you want it to turn out. And you have to deal with that, and and that's life. And and that process, I think, is so useful for science and for art and for um, dealing with the big issues that our planet is facing.
0: Why is creativity important in STEM? Can you give me some of your top kind of reasons?
1: The, the classic one that comes to mind that like a lot of people might know is Apollo 13, <laughs> you know, like when they're up there, you know, the movie, have you seen yeah. it? Yeah. I
0: have. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they're up there and there's a problem. They have to solve the problem. They have limited resources uh, and they have to figure out a way to use what they have to solve the problem. It's like an escape room, right? Have yeah. you ever done those yes. as well? Yes. Yeah. It's like an escape room and you have to be so creative to use the limited resources that you have in a way that's going to work. Um, and the answers aren't always there. Even going to the moon, you know, like when JFK was like, hey, we're going to go to the moon. We didn't have the technology to do that. We didn't know how to do that. And so we invented it. And even the Large Hadron Collider, when we started building that machine, we did not know how to build that machine. There, there was no there was no way to do it. It didn't exist. Yep. And so we invented it. Um, and we can do that with climate change too, right? Like. We can't wait around for the answers to be given to us and then start. We just have to start and then you find a way. If you wait around to be perfect, nothing ever gets done. Yeah, so sure. yeah, creativity is vital.
0: Can you give me an example that has left a lasting impression or kind of an experience that you've had that's clicked with you?
1: Of using creativity in yeah. science? Yeah, yeah, I think so. My role at the LHC, my role at the Large Hadron Collider, I was not working on the physics part of it. I was working in the IT department. So even after they built that massive particle accelerator, even after it was like ninety percent done, so it wasn't turned on yet when I was there, we still didn't know if it would even work. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the one
0: where they have um, they put they bang the atoms together, right? Yeah, so, the so um, together and then they've
1: disappeared, and people are yeah, like, Yeah, we, we take protons. Or- <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? They just, you know, how, how fascinating. <laughs> um, there's so many, so many things to think about with that. Um, but yeah, so my role was as a journalist in the IT department, because quite separate from the idea of building this massive particle accelerator to understand particle physics and the universe and the nature of matter and all those huge, big questions there was the everyday question of how the hell are we going to store all this data? Like Mm -hmm. when, when we turn this machine on, there is going to be so much data. We have no possible way of um, even capturing it, let alone processing it and analyzing it and working out what we've got. So parallel to developing the machine, we were also developing the computers that would be able to do this. And rather than like coming up with a super expensive supercomputer, the idea that they came up with, the idea they invented was everyone's got a personal computer. Let's just find a way to join all our little tiny PCs together. And, you know, our powers combine. We'll create this massive grid of computers and we'll allocate little jobs to each of the computers. And together we will crunch this massive amount of data. Um, It didn't work out, I don't think. (laughs) I mean, it worked out. (laughs) I was going to say how many computers Um,
0: were linked together. It must have been a global effort, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. People all over the world, countries all working together, lots of different people, different cultures, different languages, everybody working towards this one idea of how are we going to achieve this thing. It's like with the COVID um, vaccine. Yeah, You know, like we have a problem, it needs to be fixed, everybody works together, and we fix it. We, you know, we come up with a solution. It's not the perfect solution, perhaps. There's not enough vaccine or, um, you know, it, it doesn't make us invincible or invulnerable, but it does solve the problem as best we can. And that's the the way of moving forward.
0: Sure. And do you think that this, I mean, is this something that's being adopted in schools now? Like, is it in the curriculum? Um, does it something that's really meant to start more at a university
1: level or you know way before that like as thinking as creatively you. it's interesting isn't it because there's so many questions that you ask at school and at uni that only have one correct answer mm. yeah um and i think if you get in the habit of asking questions that only have one correct answer kids get in the habit of feeling anxious that they might have the wrong answer yeah so i reckon it's important to ask questions that there's no right answer to, like, if you were an animal, what would you be? (laughs) Um, You know, in in what way is a box of chocolates like the electoral system? Or, you know, just really crazy, different, interesting ways of looking at problems. I mean, another example, I, I was lucky enough, Um, to work with professor fiona wood on a biography of her life which was written specifically for children so like ages 10 plus and that was just amazing i mean she's such a cool cool lady she's so charismatic and she's so driven and so the thing that they taught her at uni when she was studying medicine was to treat a burns injury using a skin graft that was just what everybody did. And the, the, the best option, that was the best possible way to treat a burns injury. And then she was brave enough and creative enough to go, okay, well, sometimes that doesn't work. And sometimes even when it does work, it could have worked better because when you do a, when you do a skin graft, you can end up with quite severe scarring. And is there a way to change that or to improve the outcome for patients? And so she started to think outside the box and think creatively and look at different ways of applying what already existed because we were already growing human skin in laboratories. That was something that scientists were doing around the world. And then she um, tried that with patients in Perth at Royal Perth Hospital and it started to work. And then she and another scientist, Marie Stoner, they got together and at night they were working to find out, okay, how can we improve this process? How can we grow human skin faster? Uh, Because because burn patients need their skin, right? Like It's a really important part of um, their recovery is to be able to seal off all those infections. So they started to experiment and they learned from other scientists and they came up with new ways of growing skin faster and faster and faster until It was growing so fast that when they used it, it was not even fully complete. Like the the skin still had holes in it because the cells were dividing so quickly, but not fast enough to grow a full sheet. And then they started using that incompletely grown skin because the patients needed it. Uh, And they discovered that it actually worked faster. Like it, it healed faster when it was full of holes. So then they started to think, okay, well, what if we don't have to grow the skin in a laboratory? Like what if the laboratory could be the patient? What if we could somehow spray the skin on and then it would grow on the patient? And that's where this crazy idea of spray on skin came from. This like, I mean, who sprays on skin? It's It's completely science fiction. Yeah, But it's such a creative out of the box idea that was born from the need to to improve outcomes for burns patients and and Fiona's drive to make tomorrow better and now that spray on skin has been used all around the world and it's helped you know hundreds of thousands of patients have a better quality of life so that's like a really awesome uh creative innovative stem inspired outcome and and that's the kind of thing that we need to be free to do we need to be yeah. free to give it a shot and to try and to think outside the box because the way things have always been done is fine, but maybe it can be done better. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, You were talking about kind of the that's, those subjects are usually right or wrong answers um, traditionally. Um, I mean, I know that when I was at school, I mean, you had to be kind of a sp- special person to really want to like math be your favourite subject, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> But I felt like that. I felt like it was, you know, even in science and things, there was a right and wrong answer. And yeah. you got your test and, um, yep. you know, you got your grade at the end of it. Do you think that, I mean, if, with your experience going into schools now, do you think that's kind of changing and 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 moving more to a, towards this way of creativity rather than right or wrong?
1: I think you, you still need right or wrong. And I totally get yep. what you're saying because it's safe in maths, right? Yep. Like if you get 80%, then that means you got 80%. There's no um, wondering whether the the quality of your maths was better or worse. It was what it was and that's the grade you got. So there's a real safety in that. But if we always play it safe, then we become uncomfortable feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. And we need to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, you're living right at the edge of what you can do and what you can achieve. And when you're uncomfortable, you know that you're pushing the boundaries of what you're capable of. And that's how your world gets bigger, right? If, if, you're, if you're uncomfortable, great, because you're growing. But if you're always comfortable, if you never stretch and you never try to think outside the box or challenge the norm, then what you're comfortable with gets smaller and smaller. And then you end up feeling like, oh, man, I can't cope with what's on my plate. But I say just like keep heaping the food on. <laughs> <laughs> fill up your plate, fill up your plate. And you know, some of it might not work out perfectly, but that's okay. Keep filling it up. Have as many experiences as you can. Try as many things as you can. Give it the best go you can, especially if you're starting out in your career, right? Don't just say yes. Yeah. Say yes to opportunities, <laughs> even if they make you feel uncomfortable. Well, depends on the type of uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but yeah, if they make you feel like, Holy moly, this is stretching me professionally. I'm not sure if I'm perfect. I'm not sure if I can do this. Do it because after you've done it, you'll know. Like that's, that's how it. we got the job at CERN, right? Which is the large Hadron Collider. They advertised the job for a fluent French speaker, a fluent French speaker who had a PhD in particle physics. Well, I have nothing like that. Like, oh, <laughs> I goodness. didn't speak any French. And I had a Bachelor of Science in biotech from Murdoch. That's that's what I had. Um, and that was enough. I applied and they I was the best person who applied. You don't have to be the best person. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be the best person who's name it. Yeah, just yeah, well. yeah. So stick and, your name the in the, the hat. Day, you, yeah. If you yeah, don't give it get a shot. It,
0: it's it's a learning
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And people um, want to work with people who want to learn. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, have you always wanted to be an author? How did you get into that role?
1: It's an interesting, I, I reckon everyone wants to be an author, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> There's something so cool about the idea of writing a whole novel. How many have you done now? I've published 11, but I've oh. written like 50, again, yeah. because they get rejected because mm. not everything is perfect, not everything works out. Um, so, yeah, I write a lot. And I think as a kid I kind of I wanted to be a bookshop owner or a kindy teacher or a writer. So I have always loved stories and I love the power of stories to, um, engage us and teach us. And, um, like, if you think about the oral history of the Noongar people, you know, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, their stories, the power of those stories has kept history alive for so many thousands of years. Um, you know, the, Volcanoes erupting tens of thousands of years ago are still talked about like living memories. And that's astounding. Yeah, that's that like is. the power of story. Um, so, stories, whatever area you work in, they have a real power to connect with people.
0: And how did you get into the role? Did it just, um, were you just kind of writing and.
1: <laughs> you want, <laughs> and it- you, do you want the truth? I'll tell you the truth because <laughs> I'm brutally honest all the time. Yeah, for sure. So, the truth was, the truth is, um, I always secretly wanted to be a writer. And then my boyfriend at the time was like, well, if you want to be a writer, why don't you just write something? <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? That's so rude. <laughs> but it's the truth. Like if you want to be a writer, that's how you become a writer. You have to write something. And I was like, okay, I'll show you. Um, yeah. And I, and I started tentatively writing Uh, And, you know, you enter writing competitions and you get nowhere and you submit things and they get rejected. And then sometimes you enter a writing competition and you might get shortlisted or you might get commended or something like that. And then gradually, gradually my confidence grew and I realized, Hey, you know what? I'm learning how to do this better. I think I'm going to be okay. And and I'm still learning. Every time you start a new book, it's like, Oh, I've forgotten how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And you have to just Start all over again. But it's so much fun to create.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what advice would you give someone who is looking um, to break into a similar role?
1: To be a writer? Yeah. Or to be a science communicator? Oh, let's do science communicator because I think Yeah, I think if you want to be a writer, my advice is have something that you want to write. So for me, that's science. For me, that's like sharing my love of our planet and the weird and wonderful things that exist on it. Um, so yeah, if you like food, you can be a food writer, or if you like sport, you can be a sport writer, like be all the things you don't have to just be one thing. Yeah. So if you want to get into science communication, if you want to be a science communicator, you just have to start with what you've got and move from there. So think about there's so many options now for, social media or for um getting your content seen by other people you can submit to magazines you can submit to blogs you can start your own podcast there's lots and lots of ways to get your message out there yep. and um yeah just just start and see what happens. Beautiful.
0: Thank you Christy. I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, it's a Murdoch one. What do you think
1: Murdoch's point of difference is? in your
0: experience
1: that's a tricky one because i don't have a lot of experience with other unis but i loved murdoch so much like i just had the best the best time studying at murdoch so many of my friends are from those murdoch years so many awesome memories from being at murdoch um you know sitting out under the trees and talking and reading and laughing and so I just loved, um, there was an awesome balance of cool social interaction, you know, the freedom of yeah. actually being an adult and going, Oh my God, I didn't have to go to school anymore. <laughs> and then the, um, the kaleidoscope of opportunities, the awesome library and all the different courses you could choose from. And that idea that you can now pursue whatever you want to pursue. So yeah, I just loved it.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much, Christy. It's been so lovely to chat to you and it's been really, really interesting and, um, I've definitely taken away some, some things. So yeah, I really appreciate chatting to us and yeah. I hope that Cool. You Thank you so much for
1: having me on. I could talk all day about something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs>